Hello, and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. And I'm Stacey Pollack. And today we are talking about not faking it. That's right. How do you not fake it in a job search with our guest, Linda Evans? Linda is a strengths-based career coach, speaker, and writer who specializes in personal branding. She started her virtual career coaching business, launched by Linda, in 2011. Her full-time career has been in higher education since 2012, and she currently works in career services at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas. Linda has a BA in American Studies and minor in ballroom dance from Brigham Young University and a Master's of Arts in Psychological Counseling from Columbia University. She's also a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and has certificates in positive psychology and public speaking. Linda is joining us tonight from San Antonio, Texas. And Linda, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we are so pumped. In addition to that bio, Linda, is there anything else that you would like our dear listener to know about you in terms of how you've gotten to this point in your career so far? Sure. I guess uh, just that I use a mix of coaching, counseling, and advising, even though I call myself a career coach, but I have a background training in counseling, which is very, you know, emotion focused. But I find that I um, am more action and goal oriented. So I got training and certifications in coaching. And then I also have experience as an advisor, an academic advisor. And this year is my 10 year anniversary for my career coaching business launched by Linda, which is just crazy to me because I never thought I would get this far when I first started it 10 years ago. That's amazing. And congratulations for that because. 10 years for any business is really an impeccable track record. So way to go. Yeah, thank you. It's been really fun just watching it grow. That is awesome. We're talking about a topic that as we kind of landed on it, it's an interesting idea. This doesn't get a whole lot of airtime. A lot mm -hmm. of job seekers sort of feel like they're sort of not really themselves, that they have to kind of fake it till they make it into a job. And I'm wondering why you think that that feeling might be there for a lot of job seekers. Yeah, I think this is a really fascinating and super relevant topic for all job seekers. I think there's a lot of um, emotions behind, you know, the anxiety. Obviously, there's fear of rejection, first of all, fear of failure, because you're putting yourself out there to be judged, right? Whether you're a good fit for a job. Also, there's a lack of control. Most of us really love controlling the situation mm -hmm. and there's much less of that in interviewing and applications. There's also this huge sense of unpredictability. You don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know when you're gonna get a job. You don't know when you're gonna get an offer or an interview. And there's also threats to our identities when we apply for jobs, when they're, and whenever there's a big change in our lives, right? And if a job is a big change, um, there's a threat to how we describe ourselves, how we see ourselves. And then of course, there's the shame of unemployment. You know, we mm -hmm. tend to be a very goal career oriented culture and we identify a lot with what we do for work. So when, if, if you're not employed, when you're job searching, you know, there's a lot of um, maybe secrecy around that and embarrassment and talking about not being able to have a job. Or if you're switching from a, one job to another, there's that instability that nobody likes. Totally. Those all make 
great sense those points. So a lot of like different stress triggers coming into the play here. Oh, tons. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else that you would want to add to that kind of collection? Because I've heard of those kinds of uh, stress triggers that you've mentioned. Anything else you'd want to dive into? I think the core of it is control. (laughs) The the lack of control over our own future, our own uh, time, you know, how we're going to spend our time once we get another job. And there's a lack of control in what the other person is going to do and say, and that is very scary, I think, for, for humans in general. It's a very universal uh, feeling. Job searching is a, an emotional roller coaster, I tell people. You have to expect that. It totally is, right? And it's not a roller coaster that most people want to be on. Um, when it comes to sort of how this inauthenticity manifests itself and or stress, like what does that show up as in a job search? Yeah, that's, I think that's an interesting way to look at this topic is how, yeah, how does it play out? And I think a lot of people try to overcompensate, but they also can undersell themselves. So they over try, they try to overcompensate by uh, predicting what the interviewer might ask. And so they might prepare scripted answers that are not really, you know, in the moment, present, listening to each other having a conversation, they, they try to predict and prepare overly so and try to mind read. Um, and that could come across as stiff or robotic or, or insincere. And they also, um, I should say we, because I obviously have been in this situation as well, say we, we say what they want to hear rather than what we really mean. You know, there might be um, the temptation to exaggerate the experience that we've had or the skill levels that we have. Um, but on the other side, we can underestimate ourselves. Like when we get insecure, when we're filled with all that anxiety and fear uh, and shame. We might underestimate what we have to offer and start focusing in on our weaknesses and feeling insecure, apologizing for, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have this experience. Like I know that I, I don't come in with this much um, experience in this, but that is also, I think, like not serving you well, either overcompensating or underselling is Mm -hmm. the two extremes. You know, I thought it's really interesting what you said about the shame factor, because I feel like that's just something people don't really know how to inwardly or outwardly identify, but it's something Mm -hmm. that you can, you, when you're feeling it, you know, you're feeling it. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any advice for how people can maybe like tune in with themselves when they're getting into that shame cycle and maybe what they can do to get out of it or just kind of say goodbye to it. Yeah. So shame, every emotion has, uh, has an urge that it drives you to. So shame makes you want to hide because you feel like you don't measure up to other people's expectations and you don't want to be judged for it. You're afraid of being judged. So I think any time that you feel like, oh, I can't talk about this, you know, at a party or someone's asking you, how's your, how's your week been? And you, you purposely skip, you know, the job application process. You don't talk about the interviews that maybe didn't go so well. You, you're waiting for recruiters to get back to you. If you feel like you can't be open and honest about this part of your life, then that's definitely a signal that you're feeling shame about it. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't share. And 
actually, um, well, Brene Brown's probably one of the biggest experts on shame and how to deal with it. And one of the greatest things you could do to help neutralize that shame is to talk about it and to build um, connection with others because instead of being judged, most people will actually feel relief, I think, when they share that, that shame because then they realize they're not the only ones who feel that. And you know, even if the other person is not feeling at the same time, there's likely some other period of their lives that they can relate to. There's sort of an overarching theme here. I love what you just said. And one of the things that came out of that for me is the idea that there's normalcy to these feelings. This is totally okay. And you're not alone. Totally. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of job seekers get into that cycle, whether it's around shame, whether it's around stress, et cetera, because they feel like they're on an Island trying to do it all by themselves. And in reality, yes, sure. They're in the driver's seat to a certain extent of this part of their lives, but they're not the only human that's going through that same kind of a struggle, which I think is reassuring for most people. Yeah. I think the social media comparison <laughs> worsens this roller coaster for us modern job seekers because we see other people's triumphs and, and accomplishments because most people won't post that they didn't get callbacks, right? From, <laughs> so we don't see the downsides. We don't see the low points. Um, and so we, we feel like we're the only ones, but we're really not, obviously. You know what? It's so funny. I recently just posted on, I'm not one to like post very personal things on my LinkedIn, but um, I was like pretty excited about the job offer I got, but I, I wanted to make it like pretty clear that it wasn't an easy route. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually posted on LinkedIn about it, just saying, you know, I got this job, but I've applied to this company 10 plus times and have wow. been through the job application and been rejected. And I just kind of mm-hmm. kept going and somebody wrote, actually wrote, reached out to me to thank me for kind of sharing the, the bad part too. So I, I think people can, you know, appreciate when you wear the good and the bad on your sleeves. Absolutely. I think that's a really powerful post because it's more real, more balanced. You mentioned some things that can happen to folks, Linda, who are dealing with sort of these feelings of inauthenticity. Is it really important just fundamentally that job seekers feel like they can be themselves when they're looking for work? Absolutely. I think because of the the trend towards bring our whole selves to work, integrating work and personal life, you know, it's, it's getting harder and more uncomfortable to put on the work mask and then take off the work mask. You know, we, we really, it takes a lot of energy to edit yourself at work if you feel like you can't be your authentic self. So also employers want to know who you really are. They want to know what they're getting into because they're taking a chance on you. They are basically inviting you to spend time with them you know if they're the direct colleagues and supervisors that you'll be working with so it it helps for you obviously to know what is this employer really about and it helps them to know what is this candidate really about you know what is it going to be like working with them every day so authenticity is is really valuable for all sides couldn't agree more and i love your point underlining just how the world is waking up to that idea that the whole human is being hired and not just sort of a box of skills mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's a trend I'm really excited by. 
I would love to know what steps would you suggest to someone for them to take for, in order to kind of feel a little bit more like themselves as they approach uh, either their job search in general or an employer in particular? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great question because we are all multifaceted. We have very complex personalities, life experiences, and you don't have time to share all of that in in a job interview. Right. Um, But as a strength-based career coach, I absolutely encourage everyone to focus on their strengths. And, and obviously not in a boastful way, but in a way where you give concrete evidence of experiences, accomplishments you've had to demonstrate that you are naturally gifted at this, you excel at this, you know, these are the strengths that you're bringing to the table. And whether they be soft skills, like uh, positivity or you know, creativity, things that can be measured or hard skills, all the tech skills and whatnot that jobs might require. Um, and also personal qualities, like if you are resilient and, um, you know, have great work ethic, those kind of things are also very valuable and that you should put at the forefront when you are applying for jobs. Um, and then also focusing on your own life purpose and mission. I talk a lot about personal branding and the core of personal branding is really knowing why you do what you do what you have to offer. So if you keep that in the front of your mind, that helps you to remember that it's important to stick to who you are and not everyone's going to love that. And that's okay because you really don't want to work with people who can't appreciate your authentic self. Wow. Yes. That is an amazing set of points you've made. I'm (laughs) super curious to know. Yeah, that was, we've covered a lot of bases just in what you said right there. Could you talk a little bit about, like, there's a couple words there that I think kind of cause a lot of, um, I'm not sure what the word is exactly, but at the very least curiosity Mm -hmm. and in the worst, maybe panic and the words are life purpose. So people, Mm -hmm. I I was speaking a couple weeks ago with a friend who was looking to change jobs because she felt like there wasn't a whole lot of purpose and purpose was Mm -hmm. highlighted in like a these funny little star emojis. So I was like, okay, that's clearly a big, important thing here. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean to you and how can folks kind of interpret life purpose in the way you said it? I love this quote. I'm probably going to butcher it by somebody. I don't remember that when you work hard for something you don't care about, it's stressful. It's stress. And when you work for something you care about, it's passion. So it's really all about the why in what we do. And when we, like, we're willing to work hard if it's something that we care about, something that we connect with uh, that resonates with our values. So I think a purpose is really anything bigger than yourself, anything bigger than I'm earning a paycheck. You know, I want a roof over my head. I want to be able to go on vacations, anything that is beyond your own self-interest, really, that you feel connected to. You know, there's a lot of causes out there in the world, really good causes where there's nonprofits, foundations set up to support those causes. And we can't support everything, but we can uh, prioritize, you know, what we want to spend our time and energy in supporting. And we can do that through our jobs in some, in some places, not always. That's a great point. And I think that's a great way for people to start to think about that because I think it's a, an idea life purpose is so big 
and vast that it just becomes overwhelming for a lot of folks to even try and imagine what could a, a more purposeful work life look like or life in general. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it really just, it has to be personal though, you know, like my purpose could be totally uninteresting and irrelevant to you. Mm. But that doesn't matter because you don't have to live my life. I'm living my life. I'm living my purpose and, and each person to their own. So it just needs to be something that you personally care about. You're willing to work for. Cool. Sort of switching gears a little bit here. Um, I was reading one of your articles that you wrote about how to ask better questions. And I think this is one of those like soft skill secret weapons that a lot of people don't really think enough about Mm -hmm. when they're getting to know both themselves, they're getting to know other people, they're getting to know the company that they're, they're working at. Um, Mm -hmm. So I guess I have like a two part question for you. Okay. So part one is what are some questions that you'd want to ask yourself to make sure that you are acting in a way that is authentic to you because yeah. I don't even think that people know how do I how to how to identify that in many cases mm-hmm. that's yeah that's interesting because the article I wrote is about asking other people questions right so uh, part two would be how do you <laughs> ask what kind of questions should you be asking your uh, prospective employers to make sure the company is in line with yourself Okay, interesting. Yeah, so you could definitely ask them questions. You should ask them questions that are well-researched, you know, based on what you've learned about them, how you want to do the job better. And then there's questions that you can ask yourself to check in. Like you said, are you being authentic to yourself? So questions about the employer. uh, I would, I mean, it's hard because the employer, believe it or not, is also trying to impress you. So they may be putting on their best face and not completely honest. So I would ask questions and watch carefully how they respond. It's, it's like the body language, the tone of voice, the word choices, not just what they say, but you know, asking, can you describe the company culture? Uh, what kind of casual conversations tend to happen in the lunchroom? You know, what kind of things do you guys do uh, to bond as a team? And try to, try to see, look for clues as in, is there harmony? Is there laughter or is there tension and, you know, awkward silences Mm -hmm. between the interviewers that can tell you a lot about how well they get along at work and um, how, how comfortable you might be coming into that, that team. And then for yourself, I think it's important to check with your gut and ask yourself, do I feel like I have to compromise any of my values to be accepted for this job? Like, if um, trying to think of an example, like if you really value um, authenticity mm-hmm. as, a, as a basic example, mm-hmm. do you do you feel like you can comfortably be yourself, or do you have to edit a lot what you do and what you say? Um, or another version of that question is, am I hiding important parts of myself in order to fit in here? And if you're already hiding important parts of yourself that are not, you know. Um, weaknesses and things necessarily, but just personality quirks um, in the interview itself, then, then it's probably going to get worse and you'll probably have to hide more because you'll be spending way more time with them. So asking questions in your head. And I think like in the interview and just paying close attention to what responses you might get. Yeah. I love that. And something I want to dig deeper on too, is you mentioned, um, 
you know, asking if it's in line with your own values. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's something a lot of people would even know how to articulate. And I, you know, I think mm. this as having just gone, I'm 30 and I just went through the process of like literally writing out like, what are my values and what does that mean? And I yeah. can't say it's something that I ever knew how to articulate in the past, but I could always just feel when there was like a rub point, but I didn't really <laughs> know why. Yeah. So do you have any advice for people on how to actually articulate what those values are or like the importance of it or, or anything like that? Yes, I, I've been talking about values for a long time because it's an important part of your personal brand and figure out your life purpose. And I wrote an article a few months ago about how to identify your values. And I think the best way is to notice the times when you're angry because mm-hmm. those are the times when your values are being threatened. And you don't really notice your values otherwise. They kind of just, you, you live by them. They're part of you. They're invisible. But when you get angry, that's when you know you're feeling threatened or violated. Um, And I went through this exercise myself. It was really interesting. (laughs) The times that I've been angry, I don't get angry that often. So so I had to really think like, when was the last time I was angry? What was the situation? What did someone say to me? And um, so for example, one time I was at this job that I really wanted to teach a career course and my boss at the time did not let me, did not agree with uh, how it aligns with my job role. So they said that this probably is not a good use of your time given your job responsibilities and description. And I totally thought it was. So I was really, really angry because I felt like it violated my opportunity to live my fullest potential and to serve in a way that uses my strengths So, you know, you have to boil those things down (laughs) to simpler words. So I think that value that was being threatened was potential. And I I don't have that threatened very often because I feel like I strive very hard to fulfill my own potential. But at that point, I was like, oh, that's definitely a big trigger for me. Something that I feel like I think about a lot in an interview is, okay, like I want to be my authentic self, but let's say my authentic self is like, loud and (laughs) gregarious but the person on the interviewing side is a bit more timid and Uh getting the sense that the culture is a bit more reserved but you still really want to increase your chances at getting the job Mm -hmm. Um, how do you balance I guess being authentic with also trying to you know put your best foot forward for this particular job or is that something you'd even recommend doing at all That's a fascinating scenario. Yeah. So if your personality is very contrasting with the interviewer, just remember that there are many other people in the organization, likely, right? Unless you're working for like a two-person startup. (laughs) Um, But but they're not the only person you're going to have to work with. And there will be other personalities that, that might gel with yours more. So it's okay if you're totally, you know, not on the same wavelength personality wise with who you're speaking with at the moment. But um, yeah, I think it is important to know, to think about what your non-negotiables are for thriving at work and, and trying to look for that, again, clues in the interview process or throughout the application process, you know, even through emails and screening interviews on the phone. Um, and then think about um, what you have to contribute to the organization and focus on that because ultimately they're looking for someone to fill a spot right? To, yeah. to meet a need, to fill a gap. So 
focus on how you can serve that need and and then you won't be as self-conscious or focused on like trying to impress them or yeah. trying to like be Not funny worried about or, like how you're coming across yeah yeah that's when you really dig into the content and the, the substance that you bring mm-hmm. rather than just the personality the surface level behaviors that's great thank you and then I guess on that note too is there a time when you feel like it like should you never edit yourself out or is it is there a time where you think maybe it would be okay to edit yourself or just generally we shouldn't do it at all yeah and that is a fine balance right it's it's the art it's the art of human communication (laughs) I always (laughs) I always uh try to emphasize that our brand how we represent ourselves how we communicate with others is putting our best selves forward we're always trying to be our best selves because all all of us have you know weaknesses um darkness within us and so i think the time that we should edit ourselves is when we feel any kind of malicious thoughts creeping in Mm -hmm. um so if we if we notice that we're being very judgmental of the of, of other people um if we feel like we want to sabotage anyone or hurt anyone um, in any way. And, and then also like if we feel like we're trying to get revenge at something or someone, like either someone who's in the room or not, like, oh, I'm going to get this job to show my parents that I blah, blah, blah. Um, or, or if we're trying to deceive anyone, being dishonest, you know, th- those are like the dark sides of human nature that I think we should definitely be cautious of and try to edit out, not just in the job application process, but just in our striving to be better humans. I'm thinking about my first job ever. I absolutely hated it. It was completely <laughs> misaligned with every single bone in my body. Oh, and yeah, but you know, as a recent grad, not so secure about, you know, my not even knowing what my values were, my, my real interests and having a clear understanding of how to articulate my skills uh-huh. You know, you kind of just grab the first thing you can find fresh out of school, which wouldn't recommend to any of our listeners unless you absolutely <laughs> have to. Um, but that's what I did. And I knew like at my core that I could not stay in this job. I needed to quit even if I didn't have anything lined up. Mm-hmm. But there's so much conflicting advice of like, it looks really bad. Like you should never leave a job until you have another one lined up. Uh-huh. So I guess like, what would your advice be in a scenario like that? Like, is it better to, to quit the job that is so unauthentically you, even if you don't have anything lined up, or would you maybe try and fake it until you can find something else? Yeah. That, that kind of question obviously is very personal and I would never give a blanket statement to <laughs> everybody. However, I, I will tell um, share some factors that should be considered. Like, I think there is no right or wrong job as in like, this is ultimately um, <clears throat> bad in every way or perfect in every way, but there are factors to be considered in every choice. And we make our choices based on our values and priorities and circumstances, right? Um, and then we have to accept the consequences. So, you know, maybe a pros and cons list is like the most straightforward way to do it. Talking to people you trust who know you. Um, and then of course, jet, like assessing your own tolerance for the level of misery you might be feeling. And what cost does that come with? Like, are you 
is it hurting your physical health? I think that's definitely, you know, the breaking point that, that it's not worth it anymore. If, if you can't get sleep, if you are losing or gaining weight, if your relationships are suffering, if your blood pressure is rising, you know, all, all of those um, really detrimental effects is like, okay, well, that's probably a big sign that I can't stay here anymore. However, every job is a learning experience, whether you love it or hate it, right? You, you learn stuff in every job if you take the time to reflect. Um, so I talked to a lot of college students and yeah, there are internships that are boring. There are internships with bad supervisors. There are internships that are totally not what they advertised, you know? Um, however, I always ask, what is it that you're learning about yourself? You know, like, do you need something that this experience didn't give you? Or are you, um, are you feeling disrespected and you really want someone that you can be open with, that you, you want a mentor that you don't have? Like, what are you learning from this experience? And, and then when you leave and how you leave is really up to you, but you don't want to burn any bridges whenever you do leave a job, even if you abhor it, <laughs> because you never know, right? How those people might come back into your network. Oh, a hundred percent. And again, I think it's always interesting how much it all can come back to what are your values and are you choosing something based on that? And if mm -hmm. you're not, you'll definitely feel it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You dropped a ton of amazing insights there, Linda. I think folks who um, are trying to diagnose, right. As to whether or not they're in a situation that requires action to change, to find yeah. greater authenticity. I think you probably just validated, uh, a lot of the concerns and the feelings they might be having right now, which is a really big thing, uh, because we know all three of us know for sure people in our lives who have stayed in jobs that just basically contributed to them dying a little bit faster each day than is required. Uh, so right? painful. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Soul crushing, soul sucking, you know, heard those words a lot from my mm -hmm. clients and students. And yeah. So, so in those situations, you're like, okay, do I value a steady income more than my mental health? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, yes, I need health insurance. I can't afford to quit this job right now, you know, or is it like, do I value um, my free time more than this, this first job on my resume, like you have to balance so many things and, and no outsider can, can tell you what to do because you're the one who's going to live with the consequences. So I think, um, the most we can do as outsiders is, is help people get clear on their values and their priorities. And then for ourselves, um, being honest with ourselves and realizing that we are going to live with the consequences, whether we stay for a while or we quit right now and what are we going to do next hmm. it's, it's not easy if not no. not at all it's beautifully put though the way you just said it i think that that adds a lot of clarity for folks who are struggling with that if this has been a really fantastic conversation as as expected we have questions that we like to ask <laughs> thank of you all it's of been the, fun. yeah we have questions we like to ask of all of our guests who come on the show i'm actually going to kick this back over to stacy and she's going to start off this segment. Yes. So Linda, what is the most fun you've ever had in your career? Uh, lots of ups and downs. I, I think the time that comes, um, the strongest, like the strongest in my mind is when I was teaching career courses, I absolutely loved getting to know students over, you know, a whole semester rather than just 
half an hour, one hour career appointment and seeing them learn and apply concepts that will help them develop their careers. That was the most fun I've ever had. And I really miss it. I, I changed jobs about a year ago and uh, my new job doesn't have that because I'm too new, but I really hope to bring that back into my work life soon. Cool. I hope you get that opportunity because you have a lot to offer folks in that regard. I, I know for sure from this conversation. Oh, thank you. And what's the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did that turn out? Well, my, my first job out of grad school was at Columbia University where I went to school. And, um, you know, that was that's an Ivy League university that I'm proud and humbled to have as part of my career background. And I decided after a year as a career counselor, my first full-time career counseling position, I decided to leave Columbia and go back to my alma mater in Utah for personal reasons um, and try academic advising, which is very different from career counseling. Um, they're, you know, they're close cousins, but I thought, you know, let's see what this other part of higher ed offers. And that was a big risk. I learned that I really prefer career counseling <laughs> instead. And, and I, that was not a good fit for me, for my skills and interests. Um, so I went back to career services and I've been here ever since. Hmm. Sometimes we need that data, right. To sort of point us in the direction Trial and that, error. Sometimes yeah. it's the only way to learn is to try it. Oh yes. Totally. Linda, what is the best piece of career advice you've ever received? I'm so bad at remembering uh, who said what exactly. Like, I can't quote people exactly. Um, I feel like the the advice that I like to pass on, maybe to to clients and students, is why not you? Um, I I feel like a lot of people hold back on their plan A or their career dreams because they're scared, because they're afraid of failing you know, all those other like emotions behind job searching, um, the anxiety of like disappointing their parents or not keeping up with their friends. Um, but I like to ask, like, if someone's got to do this job, you know, why not you? And one of my favorite uh, examples is this student who, I think she was a psychology major and no, she was a geography major and she wanted to be a jewelry designer for Tiffany's and company. Tiffany company in New York city, like hmm. in Manhattan, specifically that job. Awesome. And, and I was, she's like, well, I don't know if I'll ever get there. Maybe I'll just work at my local jewelry store here in Utah. And I was like, why not you? Somebody has to do that. Right. So shoot for the moon first. You're young. You have a lot of potential. Why, why not try for that? And you know, like if you never try, you're never going to make it for sure. But if you try, you might make it. So I think um, daring to try and not being afraid of hard work. Hmm. Love that. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that. And yes, someone's got to do it. Why not you? I just, someone's got to do it. Perfect. Linda, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Uh, well, I'm in several places online, but I think probably the simplest thing is just to go to my website launchedbylinda.com because that links to social media and other platforms. And I also have a lot of videos and articles there. If people just want to get a taste of, um, what I care about and what I help clients and students with. That's amazing. 
clearly you help clients and students with a lot. And we're really thankful for what you've shared with our listeners today on this show. Thanks for everything. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been really enjoyable for me as well. Awesome. Yeah, this was great. Thanks everyone. I think we can call it a week at that for the Career Builders podcast. I'm Mike Bird. And I'm Stacey Pollack. Please go check out Linda Evans, launchedbylinda.com. Just an amazing person and someone that we can all learn from. We hope you are well, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Career Builders Podcast. Do you know someone who takes their career seriously and would appreciate the show? Why not share it with them? You'll help your friend with their career development while helping us spread the message of TCBP. On behalf of Lisa and myself, thanks for your support, and we'll catch you again next week.